Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. This is going to be such a fun show because first up, I was out looking at the Virginia Quilt Museum website at some exhibits, and um, they had sent me some photos, and there in one of the exhibit rooms was this fabulous set of four quilts that spelled love. L-O-V-E, one letter for each quilt. And the letters are in red, on cream, and they're patchwork, and there was all this wonderful things. And I thought, okay, I need to know more about this quilt. And so the museum gave me the name of the guild that put it together, and it's the Floyd Quilt Guild of Floyd, Virginia. And so when I contacted them, I was able to uh, get Sally McCauley and Gwen Gopal, who were part of the team that put this together, and we're going to learn all about it. So hi, Sally. Hi, Gwen. Hi there. Hi, Pat. (laughs) So first of all, why don't I, um, Gwen, why don't you first tell me what, um, you know, how long you've been a guild, where you're located? I don't know exactly how long the Floyd Quilt Guild has been in operation, but I know it's been in excess of 25, 30 years to the best of my knowledge. Um, I've been a part of it for almost 20, probably. We are located in the Jacksonville Center for the Arts, which is now renamed the Floyd Center for the Arts in Jackson, excuse me, in Floyd, Virginia. We were also previously known as the Old Church Gallery Quilt Guild, but also changed that to the Floyd Quilt Guild, as you mentioned. Yeah, wow. So, so Sally, how long have you been part of the guild? Um, we moved up here 10 years ago, and I um, was already quilting, and I found out about the Floyd Quilt Guild and went over there all by my lonesome, and I've been going ever since. That's how you find your friends, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> and where did you move from? Uh, we lived down in South Carolina at the time. Oh, okay. Very good. So this whole idea of doing four individual quilts with the word love uh, spelled out, um, Gwen, how did that idea start? Well, um, it was in the spring of 2014. I think it was April. And Jeff Lieberman, who is the executive director of, we'll we'll call it the Jacksonville Center, but it has been renamed Mm -hmm. as the Floyd Center. But at the time, the Jacksonville Center, and he still is the current executive director, he came into our one of our monthly meetings. We meet on the first and third Mondays at 10 a.m. at the center. And he threw that question out to our group, um, whether we would like to make four quilts. There was obviously, um, I would say, very quiet in the room because as we all know taking undertaking four one let alone four is a large project mm-hmm. i if you knew me as sally does i'm a very impulsive person so mm-hmm. i stood right up and i said yes but i cannot share this alone and mm-hmm. i cannot stress more my love for sally mccauley for standing up immediately and saying i'll chair So that made everyone in the room happy. And since then, she and I have spoken, and she also admitted to me that, as I was saying, I can do this, but I can't do it alone. She was actually, her mind was reeling, and she was actually seeing the inspiration for these quilts in her head. It was important to me to do something for the Jacksonville Center because I'm one of the members that I do live partially in Floyd itself, And um, I believe strongly that the Jacksonville Center is a large asset to our town, to our community, and to visitors alike. And Sally will be able to tell you a little bit more about what was in her head and what came to be. (laughs) Sally, this is – now I'm I'm really excited. I can just – I think quilters, when you get that idea going, don't you Uh just wish you had paper and pencil? Oh, I don't need that. (laughs) I just um... (laughs) – work out of my head. I hardly ever draw anything. But um, I know uh, people who live in Virginia and our surrounding states know that Virginia's tourism slogan is Virginia is for lovers. Mm-hmm. And um, that the the state had started a initi- an initiative to have L-O-V-E signs um, spot 
sponsored by local communities all over Virginia. Mm-hmm. So this was a part of that. Uh, Floyd was thinking they needed to do something because people are making special trips just to come and see these signs all over Virginia. And, of course, when uh, Mr. Lieberman came in and um, he said, would we participate in this? I'm thinking, this is great. It's great for the town, and it's great for quilting and that we could do a part of it. And what I saw in my head was the background. I saw ah. the, um, the the cream, all the neutral background mm-hmm. done in different techniques um, to illustrate uh, different the different things that we as quilters know how to do, um, and yet keep it subtle so that the L-O-V-E could stand out. And um, so we had already had some little classes and tutorials about um, uh, string piecing, curved piecing, and then we had done a block of the month using, uh, you know, the traditional quilt blocks. Mm-hmm. So each quilt has got a different pieced background. So when people come off the road and come into the uh, Floyd Center for the Arts to see these quilts, they have something to look at. It's not just letters on, you know, plain, you know, plain Plain, letters on plain background. It is quilting. It is, you know, patchwork. It's what you would expect Mm -hmm. to see when you think quilts. And also the letters uh, are all in shades of red, and they are um, like crazy quilt, like old-timey mm-hmm. crazy quilt with the embroidery in between, the the little patches. Well, they are super spectacular. What I want to do is is get just a, a little info because the show always goes so quick, our segment. Mm-hmm. Um, when you When you went and had to get a group of people, was everybody in the guild involved with sewing up parts of the quilts? Um, well, the uh, not everybody, but almost everybody had a hand in it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, we formed sort of a committee to do the sewing of the tops. Uh, and we had a couple of work days at guild meetings to do various aspects of them. Uh, ah. Almost everybody contributed fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, then mm-hmm. uh, we had another committee sort of take over at the end, and we're in charge of getting them finished by a long armor and then bound and, you know, the whole deal like that. And then there was another whole group of effort to get the labels with everybody who participated. <laughs> named Giant labels. So, uh, <laughs> so Gwen, ever. Gwen, tell me how big are the quilts? Oh, Sally, do you remember? I think they were um, full yeah, size. Yeah, they're about seventy-two inches long, um, and they're about uh, well, twelve-inch blocks, four by six set. I think that's what it is. So um, they're full-size quilts. They're full-size. Yes, quilts, and I think yeah. that's what. Um, but mm-hmm. the whole idea is they need to have to be seen from a distance. Mm-hmm. So um, you know when they are are taken out, and also. Uh, with the with the way we were doing it, if we'd gotten too much smaller, it would have been fiddly you know, mm-hmm. to do the right. work. They also now, need to be seen up close and personal because the um, exquisite, the long arm quilter was just an exquisite asset to this project. Her name is Betty Ann Tyree, and she lives in Roanoke, Virginia. And she went up and above what you would expect to have a long arm quilter do in the guild's opinion. She actually put hidden motifs. Um, I believe it was a heart in each one that a lot of us had a hard time even finding. It was such detailed quilting. Each um, quilt was uh, seasonally quilted. In other words, there's flowers on one. There's like a water flowing uh, horizontal almost line on another. There are leaves on a third, and there's like a spirally kind of wind, wintry scene on another. Um, it's just amazing the amount of work that she put into these quilts for our guilt. And you they know, want- Pat, how they say it's not a quilt until it's quilted? Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Uh, that is so true of these. They just came alive with the quilting. It, you just, you know, it's just mesmerizing all the different things and how much dynamic energy it added to basically a sort of static, you know, graphic type of a quilt. 
Now, one of them, we have like about two minutes because I know this goes mm-hmm. very fast. The one with the applique scenery, what is the scenery that you are portraying? Oh, isn't that wonderful? That's yeah. w- Floyd County. Um, okay. Bobby Trail uh, loves to do applique, and this is raw edge applique, although she usually likes to do needle turn. Mm-hmm. And it's cows. They have pink udders. <laughs> They're so cute. They have, um, and it's a, a winter scene. It has a barn, um, hay bales with little snow caps on them. Um, we used sort of glistening fabrics. The snow, sky looks snowy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was done in the top and bottom borders, leaving room for the V in the middle of the quilt. So yeah, it, it was just one of the best things. It, it is great. Did you... Did, okay, I'm going to ask the question every quilter wants to know. Did you make patterns? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No is the no. answer. <laughs> no. no is the answer. Because um, we did pattern the letters in the sense mm-hmm. that we made great big muslin of stabilizing things to right. sew the red fabric on and uh, to give it some stabilization. But um, basically... Uh, you know, we just sort of work out of our heads and uh, mm-hmm. try and to utilize original. the strength of the group. Yeah, I think right. being an original is the best part about it. That is the exciting mm-hmm. part. And then tell everybody again where they can view them. They are presently at the Floyd Center for the Arts in Floyd, Virginia. And as Sally mentioned, they are part of the Virginia Tourism um, Corporation is what it was known as, and their goal was to prove that, quote-unquote, love is at the heart of every Virginia vacation, and they can be seen by visitors and community people alike. They would also be um, able to travel if the Jacksonville, the Floyd Center, would agree to that, would allow to that. We'd be happy to do that. But they're basically there to bring tourists in and for people to enjoy. Well, ladies, this is great. Would you tell um, everybody in your guild that worked on it, they did an absolutely outstanding job? Thank you. We'll be happy to pass that along, Pat. Okay, this has um, been American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. Visit allpeoplequilt.com to find out what the magazine is up to. And you can visit with me at patsloan.com. Come, uh, come over to my Facebook group and see me on Quilt Along with Pat Sloan. We're going to be back. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash Million Pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual Quilt Along by making a quilt, a one-block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus-sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I have been a huge fan of Kitty Wilkins' work. She writes over at Night Quilter, and she's always uh, doing articles that are really in-depth, and she has great photos. And so today we're going to catch up with her and find out what's going on in the world of Night Quilter. So thanks for being here, Kitty. Thanks so much for having me, Pat. You know, you told me a story that I think is so fun about how you started creating original designs because you needed to have a certain kind of project. Can you tell me about it? Sure, yes. When I first started quilting, I mostly was making gifts for family and friends. And Mm -hmm. my mother-in-law is borderline obsessed with the lupin flower. We live in Maine, and Mm -hmm. we actually joke around and call her the lupin lady. And so... I was looking for a lupin pillow to make a design or a pattern, and I couldn't find one. And so me being me, I figured, well, I'll just figure out how to make my own pattern (laughs) and pulled out some graph paper and sketched it out, Watched, uh, read a tutorial online about how to create your own foundation paper piece pattern and went from there. So had you been doing art before? Was it sort of natural for you to sort of sketch it yourself? Yes, I've always been creative. And while I don't have any formal training in the arts, um, I've always drawn and have dabbled in pretty much every creative medium. Well, I think it's I think it's brave for you to do the the foundation piecing because I don't know that I've ever designed anything foundation. You have to think a certain way um, to do that. Did it click with you? Yes, um, it took me a while actually. I sketched out. I I read the tutorial and I knew that you had to kind of build upon a central piece and that there could only be one seam line between your next piece. And so I sketched out. Uh, my lupin flower and kept it blocky intentionally. Mm-hmm. But then when I started trying to work out the actual pieces for the foundation pa- paper piecing pattern, I, you know, my first time doing this, I had to put it aside for, I think, a couple of days, possibly a week. Mm-hmm. And then I was ready to pick it up again and try again. And it did take some trial and error, but if you just break it into pieces, then it, it comes together pretty well. So. I just think I just think your designs are gorgeous. You do a lot of paper piece now. I do. I love it. <laughs> I love Very the precision. precise. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to switch gears just a little bit because another thing that you and I talked about was how how people, quilters, um, whether you're in the industry like we are or just hobbyists, you know, you do it for fun, for relaxation, how often we get caught up that we can't take time to do it, um, and I think that's something that people can really relate to. It's hard. often uh, our hobbies or our things that we enjoy so much might get pushed to the side. Um, that was happening to you. What did you do? Yes, it actually took me quite a while to not feel really guilty every time I would take time to sew because I am a full-time mom of a 20-month-old, a four-and-a-half-year-old, and a seven-year-old. So there really isn't free time. Yeah. (laughs) It's not part of my life. And, you know, typically no one's going to say, oh, why don't you go take some time and do something that you want to do? You kind of have to make it happen. And Mm -hmm. so after a couple years of just always putting myself second, I found that I was not happy. I was not being as patient as I wanted to be. I was constantly preoccupied by the desire and I feel like I have an innate need to create, mm-hmm. and arts and crafts with the kids was just not cutting it. I mean, it's great, <laughs> and we make stuff, but there's just something about having creative control um, mm-hmm. that I needed. And, you know, unfortunately, my family is really supportive, and my husband is completely on board with letting me, letting me or supporting me take the mm-hmm. time that I need. But it certainly took me a while to come to that realization. But once I did and made it an effort and a priority for Mm -hmm. making every day, even if it's just 20 minutes, I'm much nicer. (laughs) Oh, I, I agree. I think there's so many of us that have that actual need to 
do something creative every day. That's our mm-hmm. relaxation that feeds our soul, that lets us meditate. Um, yeah, so what is a tip, like if someone's in, sort of stuck in that spot where they, they can't seem to get away? I mean, do you – do you so like after all the? I mean, you obviously your website's called Night Quilter. Are you are you doing that late at night? Um, yes, my my motto is actually I grab a needle and thread once the kids are in bed. Oh, <laughs> and so once my kids are asleep, I take I make a point to take at least twenty minutes. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But if I take at least twenty minutes to create, it's the first time in the day that I know. I most likely won't be interrupted. Every once in a while, I will be with a, a child who can't sleep. But um, it's really helpful to me to have a consistent time when I know I will get 20 minutes. That and, That's a good point, to have a consistent time if you can. Right. And I know some people do great working up before their children and mm-hmm. setting their time to create as the first thing in the morning. But my um, youngest, is pretty consistently up at around five and it's just not really I can't bring myself to go to sleep right when they go to sleep so that I can get up earlier so nighttime works for me yeah oh the five that's that's a wee bit early um yeah that's (laughs) okay he's he's better he'll sleep till six now on good days but it's still it's not consistent enough to to be reliable Now, this this youngest of yours, you did a really fun project to document his first year. How did that happen? Yes, it actually started as a joke. Uh, The morning of his first month anniversary, I was sitting at the table, nursing him with the big kids running around. My husband was making breakfast and joking around because we had just realized that he was officially one month old. I asked my husband, oh, what clothes should we put him in for his monthly photo shoot to stick the sticker on? And so he, joking, jokingly, replied, oh, aren't you going to make a quilt block for him every month or something for the photo shoot? And I kind of paused and was like, oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> and so later that afternoon, I actually, you know, snuck up. I think Ben was probably napping and maybe just dancing around with Daddy and just pulled scraps. And so I think it took 20 minutes to sew together a 12-and-a-half by 12-and-a-half log cabin block. And that was the start of a project that every month for the first year I made a block and photographed him with the block and the growing quilt. And it was one of my favorite projects to date, definitely. I just think that – and it didn't take you so long. That was so – it was great. It was really, really quick. You didn't uh, have to spend hours designing a block. You just did the same log cabin each month, right? Right, exactly. Well, the goal that I had was for to make it simple and to make mm-hmm. it manageable and to set myself up for success because I knew as a mom of a newborn and two other kids, I really needed to sew, but I'm my own worst critic, and I set you know, I usually set my sights high, so I wanted to try and set myself up for success. Only one block a month. It was tempting to add to it as I got into the <laughs> flow, but I, I stuck with the one block a month for 12 months, and it was. It's, it's a quick sew, but it's something that at the end of the year, I have a quilt's worth of blocks and memories and photos. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it is just the best project. I think that would be good for all documenting all kinds of things that happen. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 So what I want to do, Kitty, is is touch base on what at least one more thing because these this you know segments always go really quickly. You're doing a project this year called the Year of Stitches. Um, you know, is this another sort of monthly thing? Um, it's actually a daily thing. Uh, At the end of 2016, I found freestyle hand embroidery as kind of a mental palette cleanser because I had a few deadline projects that were looming enough that any time at my sewing machine had to be dedicated to finishing those quilts. But I still had that need to just make whatever I wanted. And Uh timing worked well. Allison Glass had just released her 76 fabric line, and one of the fabrics is called Stitch. And so I put some in a hoop and just started embroidering it as I went. And so that got me into the freestyle embroidery 
vibe. I, I really like the freedom and the creativity that you can do just stitching whatever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want. And when a couple people directed me to the One Year of Stitches project, at the end of 2016, I decided to jump on. And so the idea is to stitch at least one stitch every day for a year. And I haven't, well, I, there's one day that I technically did it <laughs> early the next morning. But I've only missed one day and I made up for it quickly. So it's been fun. So what, so what kind of a stitch do you do? It doesn't matter. You're just anything anything um i i've set a few rules quote unquote used very lightly for myself in that i am trying not to plan ahead at all Mm -hmm. and i want to try to learn as many new stitches as i can so to be honest being relatively new to embroidery i've been google image searching (laughs) and so each day i'll google image search embroidery stitches or unique embroidery stitches and pick one that I think looks cool, learn how to do it from an online video or tutorial, and then stitch it for the day. Oh, Kitty, this has been so much fun. Where can people see your work, particularly your Stitch-A-Day? I actually started a separate Instagram account for the Stitch-A-Day, and it's NQ for Night Quilter, one year of stitches, and the one is the number one, not the word. And do one year of stitches on Instagram, and I have my daily stitches posted each day. I okay. Now I have to go look for that. I'm like zoom zoom. This has been great. (laughs) Yeah, this is so great. Thank you for joining me, Kitty. Thank you very much for having me. It was great to chat with you. Everybody can visit Kitty out at nightquilter.com and check out all of her uh, photos and her writing. We're going to be back in a minute after this break. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and on the second half of the show, I get to spend the entire time with Kimberly Imo. She and I have known each other a long time. She's super talented, and what's really neat is that Kimberly has great depth of knowledge. She's she's um, done a lot of different things, written a lot of books, teaches classes on Craftsy, and so we're going to deep dive a bit into her newest book with tips, and then we're going to talk about judging and putting your quilts in contests and competition. So Kimberly, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me back, Pat. You know, I just think that you have so much great information that when you you teach a lot. So when you go out and teach, are your are your students like constantly trying to get as much out of you as possible? Yeah, and I'm always happy to um infuse as many tips and tricks and and techniques as I can into every class because I figure there's always a variety of skill levels. So I play a little game called Stump the Teacher and I I ask them or invite them to ask me anything they can about quilting and it's always good fun and it keeps me on my toes and people go away happy. You know, I think I'd be scared to do that one, that I'd be like, oh, I don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if I don't know it, I tell them that, well, I'll either find out or I truly don't know it, but it's fun. We we always have a good time in classes. 
So, you know, your newest book is called Clever Combo Quilts. And what I really like is that, Kimberly, you design patch, primarily patchwork quilts, but you also do unique blocks. And in this one, you're combining so that they kind of look more complicated than I bet that they are. That's exactly it. You just hit the nail on the head. I love to create. That's what I, I love to do is create quilts that make people go, ooh, and, and, and stand back and think that they're really complex, but really they're just broken down into small or um, basic units or basic blocks that it's the clever placement of the fabrics that gives them the secondary designs or makes them look really interesting, a little bit more um, an unusual twist uh, other than something just ordinary. So that's what I love to do is combining two or three different blocks into one quilt to make it look really special. You know, when you were planning this book was there sort of one quilt that you may that you were working on that when you were doing it you're like okay this is like a whole book in progress you're not necessarily the one quilt but that the concept of it the concept yeah actually is from um all the mystery quilts that i've taught and and the first class i ever taught ever in 1991 was a mystery quilt class and uh, because I was a graphic designer at the time that was my real job um, Mm -hmm. I was using CorelDRAW and designing my own quilt designs and decided it was an easy way to transition over to teaching by teaching mystery quilt classes and they were just coming on the scene as being really fun and new and exciting and so that for me was the jumping off point and in the back of my mind I've had this this concept in the back of my mind for years that I wanted to do a book about it because um, I find that my best mystery quilts have been quilts that had two or more blocks combined. And, you know, that's really brave for your first class. You probably didn't know that then. <laughs> I didn't. Ignorance is bliss. I um, know. I just, <laughs> I just, it was a case where um, I was married to an Air Force captain, and we were basically dirt poor. And I well, I couldn't afford to take classes myself at the time, so I begged the uh, the owner of the local shop where I was working that if you can't, you know, those who can't do teach. And it was a case of, well, I wanted to hang out on Friday nights with quilters and have a potluck and the best way to do that was teach a class oh <laughs> so I God. jumped in with both feet <laughs> that's literally how I got started I know anybody that knows you Kimberly realizes <laughs> these are true stories and this yeah. is how you, this is how your life is it's like it is. you can't make these up um, no. <laughs> that's true I, I I jump and then figure out how I'm gonna make it work <laughs> I yeah. don't contemplate first <laughs> So when you're let's talk a little bit about fabric placement because you actually pointed that out in the beginning that um right it's almost like key to making the whole thing work um what are some tips maybe and I'm sure this is what your book goes over too but can sure. you give us a little insight Well and and although I I love scrappy quilts um, and I have, you know, worked a lot with uh, planned scrappy looks when I'm when I'm working with pre-cuts. This book is more about using your yardage or your your stash, what you have on hand, and and you can absolutely make it scrappy. But I always use, or at least for these designs, what makes it really work is one background fabric. It's kind of the glue that holds all the other other things together. So I don't make my backgrounds for these particular quilts scrappy. These are mm-hmm. one background fabric and then you can add other fabrics or colors. And and I have found that some people in quilting actually don't like choosing colors. So really, most of the quilts have six fabrics, and that includes oh. a background fabric. So a lot of quilters will say, well, I can pick six or I can pick five fabrics. I can do that. That's easy. And I always lay it out by values. So if they're following the values that I give of, you know, light, medium light, mediums, medium darks, and darks, people can plug in colors for those values and, and be very successful in doing this. Ah, uh, that is, So it's, it's a little bit like a formula then that you've it given is. them. Oh. Right, and it, and so it's not too daunting. Doesn't mean yeah. people can't add more, but that's mm-hmm. the minimum. And and by giving them values, and and then I always just say, just lay them out side by side. Um, you know, fabrics one through five or one through six. Lay them out in order. If they look balanced and pretty and don't fight with each other, uh, when laid next to each other, they'll look great in the quilt. If there's one that doesn't look like it plays nicely in the sandbox, 
that's the one you yeah. need to replace. Right. Yeah, I always I do the kind of the same thing where I tell people if it doesn't look good on the table, it will not look better when you cut it up and put it in the quilt. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, it's got to look pleasing. They've got to be complementary to each other. Um, and and you know it doesn't mean they have to be matchy matchy. But yeah, right. if there's one that just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, it's not going to get better in the quilt, just like you right. said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, don't hope for the best, you know. It's yeah. like, you're going <laughs> to. So, right. you know, my favorite, of course, is the one you put on the cover, which um, is called Solstice. Yeah. Uh, how how many blocks are in that one? It looks like a many. Actually, there, there's only two different blocks, believe it oh. or not. And one is just a, um, a sawtooth star, and the other is a sawtooth star variation. It just has flying geese, and the center then is comprised of like an hourglass block or, you know, four triangles, a quadruple triangle unit. It's really very simple. What makes it so great, and this one kind of happened by chance, believe it or not. I was using uh, EQ7 software to do the designing, and I knew I wanted to, to just use some plain um, I say plain, but sawtooth stars, basic star units. And then I start playing around with the sashing strips. And that's really all that makes the circular design is just using some double rectangle units in the sashing strips. And you get this really cool secondary circle pattern. So um, that was kind of just me just playing with the software and playing with the sashing and seeing what I could do with it. Yeah. That is, it is the coolest quilt. I don't know. I, I like that it's, one it's too. Cover that's my worthy, favorite too. Cover worthy. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And that was the one I really asked them to consider putting on the cover because it's my favorite too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a little author perk there. You could just yeah, right. see if you could get it on the cover. Uh, that's so this right. is available now. Your book, Clever Combo Quilts, is out there uh, in the in the stores, and um, you have it on your website too, right? I do, and it's, you know, on Amazon and, and all those others. So if you just do a search for Clever Combo Quilts, it comes up. Yay. So give me a few little um, insider tips about your new ruler. You have a new ruler out. I do. It's called the Precision Precuts Ruler. I'm really excited about it. It's kind of um, um, an extension of my Easy Jelly Roll Ruler, and that was created because I found that when I was working with precuts, I noticed several things. When you're working with precuts, you never cut eighth of an inch anything. You only cut quarter, half, and whole <laughs> sizes. So I removed yeah. the clutter of the eighth inch lines, um, and I put the lines uh, that you for the units that you would cut over and over and over again, um, different squares and rectangle sizes in a mint green that's bright and it shows up on fabrics. So it's very easy to spot at a glance exactly what you're cutting and be very, very precise about it. So um, this is just a 10 and a half inch square, but it's got all the commonly used sizes that you would cut a lot from uh, mm -hmm. your own stash. And I really want to encourage people to use their own stash. I know quilters hoard fat quarters and then don't know what to do with them. And this is a ruler that makes it super easy and convenient to use the stash that you have or use the fat quarters you have on hand and cut them down into usable units, like five-inch squares, two-and-a-half by four-and-a-half-inch rectangles, two-and-a-half-inch squares, things that you would use a lot. If you mm -hmm. just cut, this, cut the yardage or the odd-sized pieces down, you end up having um, usable pieces at your fingertips. Yeah, and there's lots of um, quilt patterns that then use those standard sizes. Exactly, so. right. You're, you're you know, ready just, to go. Yeah, so um, people just have these odd sizes in their in their stash, and I, I want them. Or or they have stash pieces they haven't that haven't seen the light of day since you know 1997 <laughs> <laughs> that they need to pull out, and and maybe they think, oh well, I'm not really into florals anymore, or I'm not into this kind of fabric because they because they bought it mm -hmm. so long ago. But I always tell them. Cut it down into a five-inch square or a two-and-a-half-inch square or two-and-a-half-inch strip. If you cut it down, you'll find it's much easier to incorporate into your quilts. It's more usable. Yeah, you don't have – and, you know, that's a good point because it's not that big visual then right. of, you know, exactly. holy cow, here's all right. this main floral and I don't care for it. So it's just a little piece. Maybe you only see, like, piece. a lot of, you know, green even. 
Right, exactly. And and I, our tastes have changed over the years. We, you know, may gravitate towards something newer now, but we still have lovely fabrics that we bought, you know, 15 years ago. We just may, like you said, if it's a big floral or something, you may think, oh, I'm not into that anymore. But cut up into little pieces, you'll find that you'll use those yeah. readily. So we're going to take a little break, Kimberly, and then we're going to come back and I'm going to, we're going to talk about judging, um, you know, Perfect. what that means and quilt shows and how all those, you know, why people put those quilts in there for us to enjoy. So we'll be That's right back. Great. Thanks. Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and I'm here with Kimberly Imo. And we are, you know, Kimberly, how long have you been actually judging? Uh, Since 2006, so about 11 years. Wow. And why did that happen? Did somebody ask you? Yeah, it really, it happened. I was teaching at a show back in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and the, the show organizer called me and she said, uh, would you be willing to judge the quilts? And I said, well, honestly, I haven't done that before. And she said, no worries. She said, we've got other very experienced judges coming, and they would be more than happy to help you. So I really credit Rita Barber and Diane Herbert for um, getting me kind of started in judging. And then I've been very, very fortunate to work with some awesome judges. And I'm always learning, always asking questions, you know, trying to hone my my skills. Mm -hmm. And it's just been something I really, really enjoy doing. You know, the I think the whole process, one of the interesting parts, um, when I'm out a lot, people will get talking about the shows, and they'll say, well, I never see this kind of quilt in the show, and I never see that kind of a quilt in the show, and I'm like, well, have you entered yours? Exactly. Said, unless, you, unless you enter your quilt, it doesn't get in the show. They don't walk That's around right. inviting, you know, they don't sure they invite some people, <laughs> but exactly it's not like true. they're, they're going to call you up. You have to take that. In order to see the kind of quilt you want, you almost maybe have to put your own quilt in. Um, you have to step out. That's yeah, exactly it's scary, true. though. Right? It is. It is. But here's the thing, and it happens over and over and over. When some of these winners are selected, and, and almost every show that I've ever judged, some of the winners who have won the prizes come up and say, this is the first time I ever entered. I never thought I was good enough to enter a quilt in a show, and yet they won first time mm-hmm. out. It doesn't mean everybody will win the first time out, <laughs> but it, it's Surprise! You know they're always so surprised when it does happen. So I think people are their own worst critics, and they're going to mm-hmm. be the ones that see all the mistakes or you know think they could have done better. But that's okay because it's a great experience um, when you put a quilt in the show. There's three things that I find that happen. You get uh, good feedback whether it's from the judges on their comments or even if you stand next to your quilt while it's hanging in the show, you're going to, get, you're going to hear feedback from other people as they come mm-hmm. up and view it. The next thing is exactly what you said. It's the sharing. They have to share what they're doing, and people are breaking out of the traditional box now more and more all the time. So there's new, more exciting designs, different things happening. People feel more free. So it is a sharing opportunity. And the third thing that I find that happens is, when people enter a show, they gain confidence. They gain confidence in their own skills as a quilter. And it, it's just such a positive experience that um, I just encourage it so much. People need to, to step out of their, their, you know, their box and, and mm-hmm. share a little bit of themselves. And it's amazing what you get back. Yeah, I haven't ent- I haven't personally entered one for a long time. I did right in the beginning because I knew I was entering this industry and I thought I need to experience all the different parts of it. Right. So so I did enter some and every single one that I entered actually went into the show. 
none got rejected, which just floored me because I kind of thought, well, then there's not enough people entering because <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't have everything get in that I try. And that right. might not be true now because it's a long time ago. Um, but I think nowadays that there is a lot more people who do enter and there are a lot more shows. What are a couple of pointers for a person who's never entered, you know, that they should just clean up on their quilt? I mean that in a nice yeah. way. There's like and things there's, like. No, no, no. And there's yeah. easy things that they can do. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the number one thing I would say is use a lint roller. I can't tell you how many beautiful quilts I've seen hanging and you walk up to them and they have stray threads, lint, cat hair, you name it. And and all it would have taken was a lint roller before they yeah. they, you know, boxed it up, rolled it up and and shipped it. Um that is like the the easiest thing you can do for the best results. The other thing would be to make sure there's no loose or stray threads, like all your thread ends need to be buried or snipped or, you know, you just don't want loose threads hanging around on the front of the quilt because that is a distraction. And the last thing is their bindings. Some people do these exquisite quilts and they're gorgeous. And maybe it's because they're they're on a deadline to get the quilt into the show, but it's like they get to the binding and they just hurry with it. So... If they could just take a little more time to do their bindings nicely, that goes a long way. Can you talk, Kimberly, about what it means to have nice binding? Because I think that might be a place where people don't even know what that means. Sure. Absolutely. The number one thing I would say is if you're doing your mitered corners, I'm just uh, saying for for mitered corners, you Mm -hmm. want to make sure that they're stitched down nicely, that there's not like a little tuck that's open. You you do want to try to do some invisible stitches to to stitch it together. The other thing is is that the binding is full. And I don't mean overstuffed, but you don't want to run your fingers along the edge of the binding and feel where the batting ends inside of it. The mm. batting should come and fill it fully without being stuffed. So, you know, it should be very nice and even. And then the stitches on the back really do need to be hand-stitched down. I'm sure there are some quilters who are starting to do um, stitching your your binding down by machine. But still, for a show quilt, I say you Mm -hmm. really need to stitch it down by hand. I don't think we're quite there yet where anyone's gotten that good with machine stitching for a show quilt. It might be fine right. for utility quilts or baby quilts that are going to be washed and laundered and handled, but not for a show quilt. Yeah, when you're doing a show, I mean, if you, especially if you want to be, if you want to win, uh, right. you know, there's a whole different level of criteria because I tell my students, like, you know, when you enter a competition, if you're entering a competition to win, then you're right. going up against the highest level of excellence. You know, they're not going to give you $10,000 prize money for, right. you know, less than excellent work. So you have to work at a different level. But just showing a quilt, you don't necessarily have to work that high of a level. Right, exactly. No, and there's plenty of opportunities at uh, some of the more regional or local shows where you can share your quilts and and hang them. And that might be a good jumping off point if they've Mm -hmm. never entered before, is to try it on a smaller smaller scale or a more regional scale than, than to do the national shows. But I still encourage people to enter the national shows, too. Yeah, and I have never tried, like, Paducah or Houston, which I consider the two two of the main national right, shows right. that people know about. I mean, I've done um, ones that were run regional um, yeah. in Lancaster and in in, in uh, Hampton, for, well, it used to be in uh, Colonial Williamsburg. So right. those are but, – but I did it a long time ago. I haven't done it lately. <laughs> And there are other shows out there. Now, I know specifically like the Vermont Quilt Festival, they do um, have a juried, um, well, it's it's juried by postmark. So you just have to submit by a certain date. And I don't know what that is off the top of my head. I think it's uh, mid-February. But you have to have entered by a certain date, and then you're in. So oh. it's still they still have judging on those quilts, but they're not juried meaning you don't have a selection committee viewing them. You just have oh. to have your entry in by a certain date. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that about that show. That's right. Not... So it's a, well, they've been doing it that way for a long time. I think there are other shows that do that, but I'm not sure which mm-hmm. ones. But that might be a good one to consider because people feel less intimidated knowing that, well, if I just have my submission in with the postmark, you know, by mm-hmm. a certain time, I'm in. And that, that is a little less intimidating. Yeah. Another this... good way to start. 
Yes. Yeah, that's it. You know, just get your feet wet and experience exactly. it and be positive about it. And don't, right. you know. Some, you know, some shows um, have judges that give comments. Others do not. Um, I know when I am judging a show where we are giving comments and we have scribes writing those comments, I know for me personally it's very important that I give constructive criticism, point out what they did well, and maybe offer one or two tips of where they might improve. But I'm mm-hmm. very, very respectful to know that they have taken the time to share their work for people to appreciate, and I will never say anything that would make them think, oh, I'll never do this again. I don't want to scare anyone off. I want people to feel encouraged like they can improve a little and come back and, and do it again. Yeah, and that's that is so awesome because you know not everybody's going to be as kind as you. So someone has, <laughs> people do have to have a little bit of a thick skin because there might be somebody who's in a rush or isn't thinking it right. all the way through and might just give a improvement only comment and you know you just can't you right. just can't have your feelings hurt if that's not you know. Right, and I always say, you know, if that happens, again, let it roll off like water off a duck's back, and don't let it keep you from from um, making the decision to share your quotes in the future because it's very important. And maybe that, like you said, that judge was rushed, or you know, not every every judge is going to take time to be kind, but most of them do. But mm-hmm. if you ever were to get a comment that wasn't, you know, very nice, just just let it go. It's one person. It's not the end of the world, and it certainly shouldn't affect, you know, you as a quilter. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to just have everybody who, um, you know, you have a story in your book, and you also have it on your website too about your pink pin cushion. And we only have like about a minute. Can you just give me the brief on that because it is so yes. hysterical. Years ago, I bought a big, chunky, fat, velvet pink pincushion when we were overseas. And when I started doing my craftsy classes, I just took it with me because it had my pins in it. Well, the young men who were on the production crew, they thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. It wasn't like the little red tomatoes. It was this big, fat, pink velvet one. So they started moving it around on the set like Elf on the Shelf. So in on my craftsy classes, you'll watch, if you look closely, that little, that big, pink velvet pincushion kind of jumps around on the set and and it's just this funny thing that they just thought that was hysterical <laughs> i know and it's so you to have a giant pink velvet pin cushion, <laughs> tomato pincushion yeah <laughs> i know nothing nothing uh it's to sit in the drawers for kimberly no 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 <laughs> and it's hot pink too so yeah Go, so, so that's the story of it. On your website, on your uh, your blog, right? You have the story yes. too about that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do. Okay. It's on the blog, and and uh, in fact, I'll probably repost it uh, to kind of correlate with this when when uh, when people are hearing it, they can go and read read the story. And <laughs> and now I have them on my website for sale with a little a little magic pin in them for everyone to get perfect <laughs> points. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. Kimberly, this has been wonderful. Thank you for joining me. Oh, Pat, thank you so much. It's always fun to do this with you. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan. Visit uh, American Patchwork uh, online uh, at Facebook, at their website, All People Quilt. You can visit me, Pat Sloan, uh, and join me on Facebook. I have a nice, big, uh, fun, active quilt group called Quilt Along with Pat. We'll see you next time. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio.